Good evening, High Desert Word Center. How is everybody on this beautiful Wednesday night? Amen. It is an awesome time to be in the house of the Lord. And hey, it's, we're just getting into the most wonderful time of the year. Who knows that, that it's like the best time of the year right now. Amen. Well, we are blessed. We're going to have a great night getting into the word. But let's go ahead and stand up together tonight. We are going to open up by speaking some words of faith over the United States of America. And we're going to keep believing that our nation is coming to Jesus. Amen. And you know, we live in a critical time in the history of our world. So there's never been a better time to be spreading the good news about Jesus. Amen. Let's go ahead and we're going to speak these words of faith together tonight. Father, we come to you in Jesus' name and in unity, we confess that Jesus Christ is Lord over the United States of America. We declare that righteousness, mercy, justice, and judgment from you shall prevail. We declare that America will complete her God-given mission to bring the gospel of Jesus Christ to the world. We push back the darkness of Satan from this nation and call for the light of Jesus Christ to invade the media and every home, church, and school, and every town, city, and state of this great nation, the United States of America. In Jesus' name, amen. Give the Lord some praise tonight. Yeah. All right, you may be seated. We have got a whole lot going on, a lot of great announcements, and so we want to fill you in on everything. Um, let's go ahead and start off with this. Uh, this coming Friday night is going to be the November women's meeting. So all the ladies in the house, come on out. It's going to be Friday at 6.30, and you are continuing your Bible study on the book of Ruth, and you're going to love it. Uh, the menu for the evening is Mexican food, and I've heard that there's just a lot of excitement about that. And so I said, me and the boys will swing by to taste the food and then we'll go home and watch wrestling. Okay. But no, no. All right. Whatever, whatever. Fine. Um, let's see. Here's a big one. This Sunday is going to be a huge Sunday. So you need to make sure that you're here, but we are going to be doing water baptisms this Sunday, everybody. So I'm going to pass this sign up sheet around. We have 17 people already signed up getting baptized and uh, there's been about 25 people. Uh, well, a few more Sundays. So close to 30 people in about the last month that have given their lives to Jesus here at HDWC. And so we are thrilled about this. But Sunday is water baptisms. If you've never been baptized, I highly encourage you to take advantage of this opportunity. Uh, and it's just it's a really, really big deal. Uh, if you and maybe you were baptized as a child and you just don't remember it or or it really wasn't your choice, it's okay to get baptized again if you feel in your heart that that's something you're supposed to do. But um, if you are signed up to be baptized, uh, we're, we need to get a picture of each person because we're going to put it on the screen. If you have not had your picture taken yet for baptisms, you're going to see Alex or Raymond over here uh, in this corner right after the service. They're going to get a picture of you. And then uh, probably tomorrow or Friday, you're going to be getting a call from uh, Heather and she's going to give you uh, the details that you need to know for the baptism. So that's what's going on there. And then, uh, who knows what just probably the, nearly the best service of the whole year is around here. 
Thanksgiving. Thank you, mom. It's Thanksgiving. Yeah. And, uh, and that's coming up on November the 19th. So not this Sunday, but next Sunday is the big church Thanksgiving dinner. It is a big family feast. We want everybody here. And with everybody being here, that means we need food for everybody. So if you haven't signed up to bring something yet, uh, we're, that's making its way around. Sign up for something. Uh, if you're looking for suggestions, see me afterwards and I'll find out what it is. You cook good and then I'll, I'll tell you what to bring. Amen. So I'll help you. Uh, but it's a big day for me and I really, you know, I don't want to be disappointed. So uh, it's going to be awesome. But that is the 19th. Everybody be here. Okay. And then uh, after that, we have our annual Christmas came early party, everybody. This is super fun. Super fun day. Everybody come out to this. It's going to be Sunday night, the 26th at 6 p.m. And we've done this. This is, I mean, probably five, six years we've done this now. Uh, But bring a dozen cookies from your household to share for the party. Uh, Wear an ugly sweater if you got it. And then uh, there's a a voluntary gift exchange. Uh, It's super fun. But uh, youth group on up through the adults, bring a gift no greater than $5. And children's church kids bring a gift, you know, in the $1 range. We do an exchange and play some games. It's super fun. But you want to be there. It will kick off your Christmas season on a really strong way. All right. And then we uh, we haven't announced this enough, but we are collecting food items for uh, the food drive uh, for the Enriched Food Pantry from HGWC Midtown. And uh, they do an annual turkey on the table. They're feeding, I should say, we are feeding 100 families uh, this year, at least 100 families. We've uh, had 100 turkeys donated already. So uh, there's 100 turkeys. Amen. Isn't that awesome? And, uh, and so some other, uh, but we need a lot more food. So, um, over the next week, uh, this, this week, and I think next Sunday would be the last day, let's bring in canned food items, uh, stuffing, things like that. And, uh, and, and let's fill up. We got a box out there. Let's fill that up. And at the same time, uh, we're also getting into the Christmas season. So we're doing a toy drive for the Greater Hope Foster Agency. And this is our second year doing this. We want to bring in toys. There's a there's information back there, but that's what that giant Christmas box is. And so I think we could fill this up a couple of times and really bless some children this Christmas season and make it a good. You know, it, it, it could be. Uh, you know, it's it's been a rough year for some of these kids in foster care, and so let's make it a really good Christmas. I believe that we could do that. So we're we're doing that at the same time. And I know it seems like well we're doing all these you know donations, but hey, we're sharing the love of Jesus and we're getting the gospel out and it's paying off because we're seeing a lot of people touched by Jesus right now. So I want to encourage you that you're doing a great job in being generous and the Lord sees it and he's going to bless you for it. Amen. Let's give the Lord some praise for all that tonight. Hallelujah. All right. Well, I believe that's all the announcements that we have for tonight. So who knows what time it is now? Yeah, it's happy time. Amen. And that's time for our Wednesday night tithes and offerings. If you need an envelope, raise your hand. The ushers will get one to you. Mrs. Pastor is going to do our offering tonight. Hello, everybody. If you're happy and you know it, say amen. Amen. All right. Now you're awake. Okay. (laughs) Okay. Well... Uh, back up to the women's meeting. 
It's a Mexican dish or a dessert or drinks. So, you know, there's kind of three things that you can bring. Okay, cool deal. What? What does that mean? Oh, that's that. Never mind. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Okay. I don't want to let my whiteness show through here. I think Sabrina's bringing hot chocolate. I can handle that. Okay. (laughs) Sorry, guys. Okay. (laughs) I am in the New King James tonight, and our scripture for this evening is in Philippians chapter 4, verses uh, 14 through 19. All right. Now, listen to this. Usually... Everybody says the last verse 19, which says, And my God shall supply all my needs according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. And people go around quoting that. But they never bother to read what the first verses in this whole thing talk about. You just can't go around quoting that. It's conditional. Now listen to this. Um, verse of, uh, 14. Uh, well, okay, 15. Let's, let's start out with 15. No, 14. Nevertheless, Paul says, you have done well that you've shared in my distress. So obviously something was going on with Paul and he needed finances, okay? And then verse 15, he says, now you Philippians know also that in the beginning of the gospel, when I departed from Macedonia, no church shared with me concerning giving and receiving, but you only. For even in Thessalonica, you sent aid once and again for my necessities. Not that I seek the gift, but I seek the fruit that abounds to your account. Indeed, I have all and abound. I am full, having received from Ephroditus the things sent from you, a sweet-smelling aroma, an acceptable sacrifice, well-pleasing to the Lord. And because they were givers, I'm not talking about tithing tonight. I'm talking about giving offerings. Because they were givers, and in this case, mission work for Paul, or just giving in in the offering for like children's church or the children's wing or whatever else you want to give offerings to, because you give offerings above your tithe, then and only then can you claim verse 19, which says, and then my God shall supply all my need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. You got that? Okay, so it's conditional. Amen. All right. I just want you to know the whole truth of the thing. All right. Because that's what we do around here. We tell you the truth. Amen. Okay. Let's stand up and say our financial faith confession. And then we can come on up and have some good time worshiping the Lord. Amen. You ready? As we bring the Lord's tithe and give offerings today, we believe we receive jobs or better jobs, promotions, raises and bonuses, benefits, sales and commissions, growth in business, settlements, estates and inheritances, interest and income, rebates and returns, checks in the mail, gifts and surprises, finding money, bills paid off, debts paid off, royalties received, blessings and increase. Thank you, Lord, for meeting all my financial needs so that I have more than enough to take good care of my family, to give generously into the kingdom of God, and promote the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Feel free to join us at the altar after you drop off your offering, and let's worship the Lord together. Step out of the shadows, 
step out of the grave Break into the wild And don't be afraid Run into wide open spaces Grace is waiting for you Dance like the weight has been lifted Grace is waiting Where the spirit of the Lord is There is freedom There is freedom Where the spirit of the Lord is There is freedom There is freedom Come out of the dark Into the light Into the fullness of His love Oh, the spirit Spaces, graces waiting for you. Dance like the weight has been lifted. Graces waiting. Where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. There is freedom. Where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. There is freedom. Come out of the dark, just as you are. Into the fullness of His love Where the Spirit is here Let there be freedom Let there be freedom Dreams will fall Prison shake at the sound of Jesus' name Lives made whole Hearts awake at the sound of Jesus' name. Chains will fall, prisons shake at the sound of Jesus' name. Lives made whole, hearts awake at the sound of Jesus' name. Yeah, where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. There is freedom. Where the Spirit of Spaces, places waiting for you. Dance like the weight has been lifted. Places waiting for you. Yeah. 
For me, for me, for me, 
raise our hands for just a minute tonight. Lord, let that be the cry of our hearts tonight, that we only want you, Jesus. You're all that we need because you are everything. Lord, you're the answer to every problem. Uh, you're the you're the answer to every need. You're the healer of any problem or sickness or, or, or disease that we have, Lord. You are the answer to it all. And may that be the cry of our hearts tonight, Lord. Let our hearts not want for anything else but you, Jesus. We love you, and we ask that you would have your way in this service tonight, Lord. Speak to us. We have ears to hear, Lord. We have hearts that are soft to receive the word of God, and we want to hear it from you tonight. We want the truth, Lord, so we can be set free. Thank you for it in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Can we give the Lord some praise tonight? Amen. Amen. You may be seated. Give somebody a nice little high five on your way down there. How's that sound? Tell somebody that they look really good tonight. Unless it's not true, then don't lie. We're at church. Okay. Do not lie. Don't lie. If they don't look good, just don't say anything at all. Okay. Praise the Lord. Well, who's glad to be in church tonight, man? Yeah, come on. Good place to be on a <laughs> on a Wednesday night in November. Amen. Well, we're going to be getting into the Word of God tonight. Uh, we're going to dismiss uh, any of the kids that are still in here with us. Uh, I think it's second grade up through fifth. They can go ahead and go to their class tonight. Amen. We always we let them join us for worship on Wednesdays, and um, then they can go to their class. So your teachers are back there at the lobby, and they'll take you to class. Amen. All right. Well, uh, we're going to get into the message tonight. Uh, and so it's interesting. The title is this, Judging Yourself. Judging Yourself. Now, uh, this is, I, I was praying earlier today about what to speak on tonight, and I had some things I wanted to talk about, but the Lord very clearly told me to preach this. I've never preached this. I've never, ever preached on this topic before, so this is a brand new thing, uh, but the Lord told me to do this, and so uh, at least one of you here is supposed to hear this, okay? And if it's you, don't, you know, you don't have to identify yourself, uh, you know, just you know, you know, just say a little amen or something, you know, whatever, but don't point yourself out. We don't need to know. All right. So the title though is judging yourself. Uh, so with the seriousness of the world right now, I see a lot of self-examination and reflection taking place amongst people, you know, even, re even really people that aren't church people. I see a lot of people examining their lives because they're afraid. And in fact, uh, Jesus, Jesus told us in the book of Luke that in the end times, people will be terrified at what they see coming upon the world. And we've seen that the past three years specifically. But I think that the self-examination, uh, the self, the, the judging of yourself, somebody would say, well, no, no, you're not supposed to judge. Well, 1 Corinthians 11 says to judge yourself, so do it. But, uh, but, but it's a godly thing. You are 
you are told in scripture to judge yourself, and we're going to look at that in just a minute, but I think it's a really good thing, uh, what we see taking place right now of people looking at their life and saying, hey, does something need to change here? Do, do I need to be doing something different? Am I living the right way right now in these end times uh, for the blessing of God to be able uh, to work in my life? And so uh, I'll just give you a newsflash that there is a day, all right? You may not believe it, but there is a day called Judgment Day where we will all stand before God and have to answer for our life. Now, as a born-again Christian, we go to a place called the judgment seat of Christ. The book of Revelation tells us about this, where we give an account for our life, for the things that were done in the body. And then somebody that never received Jesus, or somebody that denied Jesus and walked away, they'll go to a scary place called the great white throne of judgment. That's a very bad place to go, because at that point, you are not entering heaven. And so, what I'm trying to say about that is this, though, is that everybody will will stand before God and give an account for their life. Now, the scripture tells us, in fact, let's start turning there to 1 Corinthians chapter 11. Amen. The scripture tells us to judge ourselves and, and God's going to, you know, we will, we will stand before God and, and, and have a time of judgment on judgment day. But, uh, for us, if we would begin to judge ourselves and examine our lives right now and make changes that need to be made, uh, that means that we've already done uh, the preliminary work. <laughs> we're cleaning up our lives and we're going to be ready for that day that we refer to called Judgment Day. It's a real day. And so I'm going to look at a few opening verses tonight uh, and and uh, and get a little context to what we're saying. And then I believe this is a simple message, but it is uh, apparently... It's a needed message. So 1 Corinthians chapter 11, and we're going to look here at verses 28 and 29. 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verses 28 and 29. And this is, uh, you guys know these verses. We look at these three times a month when we take communion. So if you go to church here, there's no way you don't know these verses. But the, the Apostle Paul is telling us specifically before receiving communion, we're to, uh, the NLT here says, examine yourself. Your King James is going to say we're to judge ourselves, all right? And so 1 Corinthians 11, verses 28 and 29, and, uh, and the Apostle Paul said, that is why you should examine yourself or judge yourself before eating the bread and drinking the cup. For if you eat the bread or drink the cup without honoring the body of Christ, you are eating and drinking God's judgment upon yourself. And so it tells us right there, you can judge yourself and fix some things, or you can just let God judge yourself and, and bring God's judgment upon your life. And I would prefer to go with option A there, judge myself fix it, amen, and then have the blessing of God on my life. That's a whole lot better of a, of a setup, amen. Uh, 2 Corinthians 13, 2 Corinthians 13, looking at a few verses here, then we'll break it down a little bit, amen. And uh, hey, we've just been tackling some very, very big topics lately. <laughs> have you noticed that? I mean, we've been hitting heavy on some things that are not popular sermon topics. And, uh, and so, I mean, you guys keep coming back though. So kudos to you, but I mean, we've been, we've been 
punching lately. Sunday's going to be a wild one, I'll tell you that right now. Sunday, buckle up. We're going to places. I don't even want to say where we're going. It's good, but it, just trust me, it's going to be, it's going to be crazy. So, 2 Corinthians 13 and verse 5. And, uh, and so again, the apostle Paul says, examine yourselves to see if your faith is genuine. What? You mean there's some people that have like a, a fake or they're, they're being a, they're a fraud? They're not really of a genuine faith? Well, I don't know. Paul said to examine yourself, judge yourself to see if your faith is genuine. Test yourselves. Surely you know that Jesus Christ is among you. If not, you have failed the test of genuine faith. All right. I mean, that sounds like a hard thing to say right there, but I believe all of this is so necessary for us. It is time for Christians to start taking their faith seriously. Who knows that? It's not the time to be fake. It's not the time to to just talk the talk, but not walk the walk. It is not time to be a hypocrite. And one more here, Galatians 6, verses 4 through 5, and then we'll get into an outline. Galatians 6, verses 4 through 5. Are you still glad you came to church tonight? All right. Galatians 6, and we're going to look here at verses 4 through 5. And uh, again, this is the Apostle Paul writing to us right here. The book of Galatians chapter 6, verses 4 through 5. And it says, pay careful attention to your own work. Pay careful attention, careful attention to your own work. For then you will get the satisfaction of a job well done and you won't need to compare yourself to anyone else. Do you know how miserable it is to live your life comparing you to everybody else? Judging yourself based off of how everybody else is doing? Very, very dangerous thing to do. And I will explain that more later. But verse 5, for we are each responsible for our own conduct. So, that's, I mean, that's a relief. And it's also uh, a little bit of a weight. Because I'm not responsible for, you know, what you do, okay? You're responsible for that. But I, I certainly can't uh, continue to live my life in a wrong way and say, hey, I'm not, hey, I'm only human. What could I do? Hey, hey yeah, yeah, don't judge me. No, I'm responsible for my conduct. Now, we all, we all sin. We all make mistakes, right? We all do. Everybody does. There is only one perfect person to ever walk the earth, and we killed him. <laughs> and so, listen, that was Jesus. And so none of us are perfect. We get that. But the mature, growing Christian doesn't just justify. Their, they, they don't want to stay that way. They're like, I, I know that I'm not where I should be, but I don't want to stay here. I want to keep growing. I want to, I want to keep advancing and maturing in my faith. And so we're all responsible for our own conduct. That's a pretty big deal. But Amen. There's good news in all of this. So I'm going to uh, break this down a little bit tonight. We got just a, a few points that I want to give you, and I pray that you'll uh, that, that you'll this will do something for you. So when it comes to the area of judging yourself or examining yourself, I kind of see two extremes, and we're going to talk about these two extremes here for a minute. All right. And so number one, if you're going to judge yourself, don't be too harsh. And I want to, I want to break that down. Don't be 
too harsh. Now, some people in here, you get this, and some people you don't, uh, because your chances are you're in, you're, you're probably in one of the two extremes that we're going to talk about. Maybe, maybe you're not, but I don't know. There's a good chance you're in one of these categories. But we're going to talk about don't be too harsh. Some people are so hard on themselves that they constantly have feelings of guilt and condemnation in their life for no reason at all. I talk to some people that they're living a Christian life. They're godly people. They're not perfect, but they're godly people. They've got a sincere heart before the Lord, and they are certainly trying to live their life according to the Bible, yet they walk around all the time feeling guilty, maybe for things way deep in their past, things they've repented of, things that they've stopped doing, yet they continually have a sense of guilt and feelings of condemnation for no reason at all. And, you know, we could probably dig deeper into that. It could be possibly, man, maybe your parents were overboard on you. That happens. You know, some parents are way too soft and some parents are way too hard. Or maybe you have a spouse that's always telling you that you're not good enough. You didn't do a good enough job and your spouse holds you to a super high standard and they're just mean to you. That will make a person go around constantly feeling guilty, bad, condemned, like they're not measuring up, like they're not doing a good enough job. That I'm Or Maybe you have these feelings of guilt and condemnation because it's simply an attack from the devil. You can write it down. Revelation 12.10 calls Satan the accuser of the brethren. The accuser of the brethren. This means that he's always bringing up your past and bringing charges against you. Charges against you. But I'm going to tell you tonight, These charges that Satan's bringing against you all the time, Jesus isn't listening to them, and you don't need to be either. You know, uh, the grace of God is a beautiful thing. You know, I I haven't... Well, I'll just say this. One time when I was working at FedEx... Um, you know, I worked at FedEx. So I was, I was, uh, we were doing, I worked at the airport in Indianapolis, stuffing your boxes onto airplanes, throwing your iPhones and stuff. And so I was, I was, uh, I was doing that one day and out of nowhere, man, just this heavy, heavy spirit, uh, it, it was some sort of, a, it, it was not godly, this weight and this overwhelming feeling of guilt, and condemnation just overtook me. It had been messing with me for a while, and I just could not stop thinking about every wrong thing I've done in my life, and God's mad at you. You're in this spot because of what you did, and and just just terrible feeling, and I mean, and I gave into it. I, I, I was just, I was entertaining these thoughts from the enemy, and after a while, I felt, I mean, this had been going on for a while, but this day specifically, and I felt so condemned to hell that I was, I was, you know, I, I don't even know if I want to live. I'm the worst person in the world. And, and as I'm just playing along with the devil here, buying into this mess, it finally dawned on me, wait a minute, 
I've repented of these things. And the scripture tells us that if we will confess our sins, 1 John 1, 9, he is faithful. He is just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. The word says that, that listen, that, that if we are repenting, he will take our sins and throw them away as far as the east is from the west. Isaiah says, I think it's chapter 16, but I don't want to tell you the wrong chapter, but I think it's chapter 16. It tells us that when the Lord forgives us, he forgets. He says, I will blot out your sins. I will never think of them again. And so if you're having these overwhelming feelings of guilt and, and there's and it's something that you repented of, you quit doing it and you're going to sit there and say, Jesus, why do you have to keep bringing up my past? Jesus, why are you reminding me of this? That ain't Jesus. That's the devil. He's bringing up your past. Jesus wouldn't do that. Because he said, hey, if you've repented, I will, I'll wipe it away. I'll never think of it again. And so if these things are coming back to you all the time, and, and again, you've repented and quit doing it. You were sincere. That's not God. That's the devil accusing you and bringing up your past. And so let me say this. There's a difference between conviction and condemnation. All right. There's a, a there's a difference between conviction and condemnation. Conviction is a good thing. Conviction is when you know in your heart that you're wrong and you need to change. It's a good thing. It's God speaking to you. Really, it's the Holy Spirit speaking to you to save you from trouble. You, uh, you know, John 16, 8 tells us that the Holy Spirit convicts us of sin. The Holy Spirit will convict us of sin. And so if we're doing something wrong and in your heart you're like, I know I shouldn't, uh, I shouldn't be doing this. That's conviction. That's not, that's a good thing. Okay. And, and, and that's something that the Holy Spirit will use to help correct us and get us on the right path. But then there's condemnation and condemnation is from Satan. What, what is condemnation? Condemnation is to make you feel hopeless and helpless. It's to make you feel unforgivable. And, and, and what's the ultimate goal of condemnation from the devil? It's to drive a wedge between you and God. It's to separate you and make you feel like you are just so far gone that there's nothing to do but run away. And that's a dangerous spot to be in. Condemnation is to make you feel so ashamed that you just run away. But conviction, it helps draw you closer to God and to clean up your life. Jesus said in John three seventeen that he didn't come to the world to condemn the world, but to save the world. Right? And so, Jesus, why are you always condemning me? Well, he, you know, the Holy Spirit may convict you to help clean you up, but he didn't come to condemn you. He came to save you. Amen? And so, we're talking about judging our lives, and some people fall into the category of simply just being overboard, too harsh on themselves. And when we were doing worship, I was looking for a pen everywhere, but I usually carry one. I didn't have one. But so I, I, I'm good now because I just remembered it. Thank you, though. <laughs> I almost asked the crowd, does anybody have a pen? I need to write this down. So hopefully I say this right. But when we were praying, when somebody too harshly 
judges themselves. Listen, you will blame yourself for things that aren't even your fault. Like, I'm in this spot because I was bad and God's mad at me. That's why this happened. That's why, you know, I lost my job. That's why my husband left me. That's why this happened over here. It's because I'm so bad. Well, there's a level of truth that when we live, you know, against the Bible, yes, you can open the door for bad things. We get that. But then there's this, again, this thing called condemnation where things have happened in your life and sometimes you're blaming yourself for things that aren't actually your fault. It was an attack of the devil. It was something else, but it wasn't actually your fault. And again, I'm talking to people that are too harsh on themselves. Romans 8, 1. Let's flip to this one. Romans 8, 1. Let's go there. Romans chapter 8 and verse 1. Are you still with us tonight? So we are currently talking to people that are maybe too harsh on themselves and this is an extreme thing and and it's uh and and it's a it's a nasty thing and i i do see this uh many times some people that are constantly uh blaming the everything on themselves so romans 8 and verse 1 you should know this verse so now there is no condemnation for those who belong to Christ Jesus. There is no condemnation for those who belong to Christ Jesus. So religious people. Wait, I thought you guys were religious. No, we're Christians. We have a relationship with Jesus. This isn't my religion. This is my relationship with my father. Amen. But I do know some people that go to church that are very religious and it's all about the rules and you know and and so i i get that religious people always want you to feel condemned and to try and work really really hard to suppress yourself and discipline yourself and punish yourself that is condemnation and so uh i've got I found this picture online years ago, but I'm going to put it up there. Uh, And I think this is a really good explanation. Religion says, I messed up. My dad is going to kill me. I better hide this. The gospel says, I messed up. I need to call my dad. Do you get that today? Where are you at on this? Are you in the spot of God's so mad? Oh, he's going to kill me when God gets a hold of me. Oh, my goodness. Oh, my goodness. That's not good. The gospel, the word of God says, I messed up. The one person I need to talk to is my father. Amen. Condemnation or conviction? Conviction says, I, I'm doing wrong. I need to get a hold of dad. I need to fix this. God is such a good father. Who knows that tonight? God's a good father. He has high standards. Do not mistake that. He has high standards and he has high expectations for us. But when we mess up, he's the type of dad that you can run home to. And as a side note, you know, parents, that's the type of parents we should be. Our kids should know that as Christians, we have standards and boundaries and rules. Do your kids know that there are standards in your house? It's not just anything goes. They need to know that. But I'll say this, if we're a raging fireball every time they mess up, they're not going to go to you when they have trouble. Why? Why would I tell you knowing that you're just going to annihilate me from the face of the earth? I'd rather roll the dice and try to hide it for as long as I can. I'm just being honest. 
you know, a little parenting advice here. Not that I've got it all figured out. I'm in the middle of the war right now. <laughs> I've got teenagers and then I've got, you know, little kids still. But, but I'm just, I think it's common sense. If your kids feel like if they bring their troubles to you, you're going to annihilate them. Why would they tell you? Listen, they will find somebody to tell. And it's usually not a good person. So we have standards and the kids need to know that. No doubt about it. But they also need to know if I mess up, I need to be able to tell God the Father and I should be able to talk to my mom or my dad about it. There's going to be, I'm going to be held accountable, but they're not going to kill me and ruin my life. That's free advice. Let's go to number two. Yeah, yeah. All right, let's go. Judging yourself. Number two. Also, don't be too easy on yourself. I want to talk about this for a minute. <laughs> like, wait, where are we going? This sounds like a, an oxymoron. Well, like I said, there's two extremes. There's some people that are consistently way too hard on themselves. And then there are some people that are just don't hold themselves accountable for anything at all. And that's not a good spot to be in. And I know this much that there's plenty of people that are way more focused on other people's lives and actions than they are on themselves. You can say amen, but but if it's you, don't say amen, okay? All right? So uh, here's just some advice from Gen Z, from the kids. Stay in your lane. Mind your business, because if you're focused on everybody else's, what happens when you take your eyes off of the road in front of you and put them on some, you wreck. You don't drive straight anymore. You wreck and things go really, really bad. But if there's one thing I've learned as an adult in life over these past wonderful years, the one, one thing that I've learned, I've, I've, I've learned a lot of things, but here's one, okay, is that most people hold others to a higher standard than they hold themselves. <laughs> I, 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 I thought there'd be some response. I don't, yeah, but I have learned that most people tend to hold others to a higher standard than they hold themselves. Every time I preach on love and forgiveness, the people that shout amen the most are the people that are the meanest. <laughs> I said it out loud. My bad. My bad. But listen, listen to me. That's true. And then the people that are actually pretty good, they just sit there and be quiet like, yeah, he's probably talking about me. So, but listen, most people hold others to a higher standard than they hold themselves. And, and, and listen, we all know, we all know people, we're talking about people that are too easy on themselves. They demand to be treated with a certain level of respect. You will respect me. Yet they don't give it to anybody else. I don't respect you. You're a jerk. Oh, sorry. But what I'm saying is this. It's it's real. Listen, don't hold everybody else to this. You better treat me this way, but you're allowed to treat everybody else like this. I got to treat you like a king and you're allowed to treat me, you know, like a bum. There's listen, that is not judge yourself. Check yourself. What before you what wreck yourself? Come on. Yeah, I said it. I said it, Sheldon. I said it. Yeah, come on. Listen. We're talking about don't be too easy on yourself when you're really hard to everybody else. What do we call that? 
It's called being a hypocrite. And so one other thing that I've learned is we usually judge others based off of their actions and we judge ourselves off of our intentions. We judge everybody else off of their actions, but ourselves off of our intentions. When we do wrong, we say, yeah, but what I meant to say was this. So really, I did nothing wrong. And then when somebody else does something wrong, I don't care what he meant. What he said was, do you see the difference? Colossians 3.13 tells us to make allowance for each other's faults. Cut each other some slack. And I have found out that you never know what somebody else is going through. And yeah, you want to just hold them to this high standard. And then when you do the same thing, yeah, well, I was having a really rough day, okay? So cut me some slack. What about this guy? You never know. You never know what somebody else is going through. And so let me show you something. Who knows what a double standard is? Who knows that that's a really wicked and anti-Bible thing? Yeah, so Proverbs 20, verse 23. Let's go there for a minute. Show you a couple of Proverbs. Holding yourself to one standard and everybody else to a different one is not godly. Proverbs 20 and verse 23. Amen. So we're going to find out who this sermon was for by the end of the night. I don't know yet, but it was for one of you. I wanted to preach on like the joy of the Lord tonight, honestly. <laughs> I had a good one. I thought, man, woo, we're going to fire him up. Proverbs 20. We're going to look at verse 23. So here it is. The Lord detests double standards. He is not pleased by dishonest scales. The scales, all right? Think of this, the old-fashioned scales of justice. You know, you see those? And God doesn't like uh, whenever somebody else has to be judged by this standard, and yet you get to judge yourself by a totally different standard. The Lord detests double standards. Proverbs 20, verse 10. So just look back at a few verses earlier. Proverbs 20 and verse 10. It says, false weights and unequal measures. The Lord detests double standards of every kind. And so you see this word uh, 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 measure and it's, it's synonymous with standard measures and standards. Well, Jesus used the word measure when he discussed judgment of ourselves versus judgment of others. And so Matthew 7 and verse 2, flip over there real quick. Matthew 7 and verse 2. So Proverbs says the Lord detests uh, a double standard or, 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 or wrong measures. God, he detests that. And then Jesus references the same thing in Matthew 7 and verse 2. And I believe that, you know, this is a powerful thing for us to get a hold of. Matthew 7 and verse 2. It says, for you will be treated as you treat others. The standard you use in judging is the standard by which you will be judged. Simple. And so God says, okay, fine. You know, you want to, you want to use this standard of measurement for everybody else. You can do that. But that's the standard of measurement I'm going to use for you. 
Right. And so if everybody else get, you know, if we got a ruler right here, one side is inches, you flip it around the other side is centimeters. Well, if you want to use the inches side to measure everybody else's life up, fine, no problem. But that's the same side. You don't get to flip the ruler around and say, now, Jesus, could you measure my sins by centimeters, please? Uh, we'll judge me off of the opposite side. He's going to say, no, the same measurement that you use for everybody else is the one that you get judged by, too. That sounds like a very fair deal to me. No double standards in the kingdom of God. Uh, verses three through five, just for fun. Uh, let's just tag these on because these are fun verses. And why worry about a speck in your friend's eye when you have a log in your own? <laughs> Verse four, how can you think of saying to your friend, let me help you get rid of that speck in your eye when you can't see past the log in your own eye? Here it goes. Hypocrite. First, get rid of the log in your own eye, and then you will see well enough to deal with the speck in your friend's eye. Imagine that, that you're gushing blood out of a wound. You're like bleeding to death, and your friend's got a paper cut. Like, dude, you should really handle that paper cut, man. Oh, gosh. Oh, oh. Deal with that, bro. Deal with it. Fix yourself. And you're bleeding to death. That's the same thing. Like... Okay, I'll deal with this paper cut, but you may ought to want to get that checked out. You're going to die in that, man. And so Jesus, you know, we put it this way. You've got a telephone pole log sticking out of your eye, and your friend's got a toothpick in his eye, and and, and all you're worried about is his little problem. Hypocrite. You're a hypocrite. You need to deal with it. And so there's people that, you know, that, that, well, I'm not going, we dealt with this on Sunday. I don't even know why I'm saying it. They won't go to church because there's hypocrites there. All right, Mr. Perfect. <laughs> of course, none of us are up to your high standards. You know, I occasionally, I don't know, every few years, uh, this happened to me recently, uh, but, but sometimes people will be like, man, you know, I, I would come check out your church, but I have, I don't go to church because I have really high standards and I haven't been able to find a church yet that meets my standards. And honest to God, I do not want that person coming to my church. Like, no, please. I don't want you here. Why? Because if you're that judgmental and arrogant, that, you know, no, find somewhere else. And so someone did that to me the other day, kind of like trying to bait me into inviting them to, my, to, to our church. And I, I didn't do it. I was like, yeah, you know, there's a lot of messed up churches. Ours is probably the worst. <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> These people are crazy, dude. They're crazy. You, you would not like our church, believe me. There's a lot of other good ones in Barstow. We're probably the worst. Go away. So, <laughs> like, I don't want that type of person here. I'm. You think I'm joking when I'm not. I'm being serious right now. One more. All right. I, I got to get going. You guys, we got a few minutes and I got to get to point three. But there's a quote that I've shared before. It's from a preacher named John Newton in the 1700s. But he said this. When people are right with God, they are prone to be hard on themselves and easy on other people. But when people are not right with God, they are easy on themselves and hard on other people. So, again, paraphrase it and say it again. When people are right with God, they're more prone to be harsher on themselves than they are on others. And when someone's not right with God, they're a lot harder on others than they are on themselves. Yeah, I can't find a church that meets my high standards. Okay, fine. Yeah, good. So 
judging our life as a balancing act of not being either too harsh or too soft. And so number three, the Bible is the standard of measurement. Amen. Just like we said a minute ago, if we've got a, a, a ruler out here, you know, uh, that's the good thing about a ruler. It, 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 it's the same, right? It, it's, it stays the same. And the, me, the, the unit of measurement, it's always the same. And that's one thing I love about the Bible. It's always the same. Right? It's all, we're, we're, I'm not getting judged based off of, you know, somebody else's life. I'm getting judged based off of the Bible. I think that's a very fair deal. And so, again, uh, the Bible is the standard that God's going to judge you with on Judgment Day. When you stand before God, uh, that's what he's going to bring up. He's not going to say, uh, well, I wanted to talk to you. Uh, really, you you didn't do as good as Leah did, to be honest with you. And I just, I can't, I can't handle that. No, he, he's not going to bring up Leah when I'm the one standing before him. He's going to say, hey, the scripture said this right here, and, and you lived by that. Good job. Or he's going to say, hey, this was measurement right here. Love your neighbor as yourself. What about that? How come you didn't do that? Well, then that's the measurement, the standard of judgment that I'm going to be judged by. But using something other than the official standard of measurement is going to screw your life up, right? I mean, if I'm measuring myself up against Billy, for instance, you know, and so if I can say, you know what, man, I'm not doing anywhere near as good as her. I, but, but listen, but I'm obeying the Bible, you know, maybe, you know, my business isn't where hers is at, my money, whatever isn't where hers is at. Well, that's okay. God, God didn't call me to keep up with Billy. He called me to keep up with the Bible, right? Or maybe, you know, someone would say, I know I'm not really obeying this thing right here, but I am light years ahead of Leah. So <laughs> what's the matter? <laughs> Do you see how, don't feel sorry for her. Stop. Don't feel sorry for her. Believe me. <laughs> oh, they're giving her hugs now. Oh my gosh. Liz. Oh, all right. She's not offended. She's a mature Christian. Amen. But listen, if I'm not using the official standard of measurement, which is the Bible, I don't know where my life's at. I could be too harsh on myself or I could be way too easy on myself and say, yeah, I'm not obeying this, but at least, you know, I'm not doing what she does. It doesn't matter. Are you doing what the Bible says to do? All right, let's really quick. James one, go to James chapter one. We're going to finish this up. James chapter one. Amen. Are you still with me tonight? James chapter 1, again, we are talking about judging ourselves like we saw earlier in 1 Corinthians chapter 11 and in 2 Corinthians chapter 13. We've seen these things, all right? So James chapter 1, and we're going to look at verses 23 through 25. Who knows what James 1, 22 says? Bingo, Raymond, you win. James 1, 
22 says, be doers of the word and not hearers only or else you're deceiving yourselves. But we don't usually continue on into the following verses. But verse 23 says, for if you listen to the word and don't obey, it's like glancing at your face in a mirror. You see yourself, walk away and forget what you look like. But if you look carefully into what the perfect law, what's that? That's the Bible. If you look carefully into the perfect law, into the Bible that sets you free, and if you do what it says and don't forget what you heard, then God will bless you for doing it. When I use God's word to judge myself and see if I'm measuring up against that, and I make changes that need that need to be made, God will bless me for doing it. Just by show of hands, who in here, you've felt conviction about something and you, you made the change, okay? You, you, you made a change and God blessed you for making that change. If you're, I mean, if you've been a Christian very long at all, there's gotta be some time that the Lord has put conviction in your heart about something you need to do different. And then you actually made that change and then he blessed you for it. Let's look at one final thing, then we'll wrap it up. Hebrews chapter 4. Hebrews chapter 4. Amen. And again, the good thing about using the Bible as a standard is that it never changes. And in our society, we've probably seen over the past several years that we change standards all the time to adjust to what the newest trend is. We do things like lower the bar so it's easier for people to attain. And honestly, that's not how God's going to do it in the kingdom of God. He's not going to say, well, I know it's really hard for people to live this way now in 2023. So we're just going to lower the bar for everybody so everybody can win. Everybody. That he's not going to change his standards for our generation. And that's why, you know, we've been preaching hot and heavy on some things lately. And one thing that I've been hitting on, and I, I didn't, you know, know how people would take it, but we've said, hey, you need to get married if you're living together. And I didn't know what to expect from that, but now I've got like four or five weddings on my calendar. So I'm like, okay, they listened. That's good. <laughs> I had no idea what was going to happen with that. But listen, people would say, it's 2023. That's old-fashioned. <laughs> The standard didn't change just because it's 2023. The standard is the standard. It never changes. And thank God that he never changes. That would be a double-edged sword for you. If, that, if he changes, then that could mean that uh, maybe he won't do the things for you that the Bible promised if he changes. But no, he doesn't change. Hebrews 13, 8, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And so he's not going to lower the bar for our generation. We're just going to have to come up to the standard. Hebrews 4, verses 14 through 16. This is talking about Jesus. It says, so then, since we have a great high priest, who knows we have a great high priest, who has entered heaven, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold firmly to what we believe. Do you believe the Bible tonight? Do you believe the word of God? Hold firmly to the standard. Amen. Don't let go. 
This high priest of ours understands our weaknesses, for he faced all of the same testings we do, yet he did not sin. And so you can never tell Jesus, yeah, but you don't get it, Jesus. You live up there. You don't know what it's like to be down here. The man came down here and became one of us. For 33 and a half years, you cannot tell Jesus, you don't know what it's like. He knows exactly what it's like to be down here. And he faced every single temptation that we face. That's one of the billion reasons I love Jesus. He laid aside the luxury and the beauty of heaven and came down here to this mess and became one of us. Imagine that. Verse 15, this will be our last, whatever this is, I don't know, 16. So let us come boldly to the throne of our gracious God. There we will receive his mercy and we will find grace to help us when we need it the most. Amen. And so out of everything we've said tonight, we're, you know, you should be examining yourself in this day and age. You should be judging yourself Right now, in this day and age, I'm doing it every day. I'm saying, Lord, if I'm being dumb in some way, tell me. I want to know so I can fix it. I will not risk the rapture over me being stupid. And I'm being very serious about that. I, I, I've showed you. I don't want to be down here for the things ahead. I want to be in heaven. Amen. And so if I'm wrong, tell me. Amen. So I can fix it. Don't lie to me and say, no, you're good if I'm not good. But the good news out of all that is this, is that if we've been messed up, if we aren't where we need to be, we can come boldly to the throne of grace, boldly to the throne of our gracious God. And it's right there that we will receive his mercy. We're not going to, you know, it doesn't say we're going to receive his smack across the face, his kick in the butt. No, we will receive his mercy and his favor and his grace in our time of need. Isn't God good to us? Amen. All right, we're going to go ahead and wind things down there tonight. Let's give the Lord some praise together. Amen. Well, let's stand up together. Let's stand up together. Hallelujah. All right, I'm going to have our prayer team come on up here tonight. If you're here and you need prayer, we want to pray for you. If the Lord spoke to you tonight, man, maybe you're feeling... Some conviction, not condemnation, some conviction of the Lord dealing with you. This would be a, the perfect time to talk to God about that and make some changes. But if you need prayer for anything at all, Pastor Josh is going to lead us in a closing worship song here. If you need prayer tonight, come on up. We want to pray for you. Amen. Let's go. Just you. 
you've received the word of God and hey if that was for you receive it and if it wasn't well then just say amen and uh, you know praise God all right now that's for all of us the word is for all of us uh, we're going to close things out um, Robert asked if we could get a few good men he needs about 15 chairs taken next door for the women's meeting so men this is your moment step up. We'll rise to the challenge, men. Amen. And if you're a single guy, it really impresses the ladies if you can carry like a bunch of chairs. Like That's the that, that's how Christian men flex. They carry chairs at church. Amen. That's how I got Pastor Katie, believe it or not. It's a long story, but she saw how many chairs I could stack. It was incre- <laughs> Mom, stop. My mom's All right. Anyway, uh Let's close in prayer before this gets even any more weird than it is. All right, let's pray. 
Father, in Jesus' name, we thank you, Lord, for uh, what we've seen in the Bible tonight, God. And I just pray that we would, in the balanced and correct way, examine our lives, judge ourselves. Just like you said in 1 Corinthians 11, 28. And Lord, I thank you that as we're, as we're doing that, we're making changes and corrections and cleaning things up so we can be ready for you when you return someday. And we believe that day is coming pretty soon, Lord. We want to be fully ready. And so thank you, Lord, that we've received the word tonight and we're applying it to ourselves. We love you and praise you in Jesus name. Amen. All right. Let's speak some words of faith over Barstow. And then if you're getting baptized on Sunday, uh, the media guys need to get a picture of you over there real quick. So if that's you, as soon as we're done with this, head over there and they're going to take that picture. Let's go ahead and speak some blessing over Barstow. We declare that Barstow is a blessed city. Our families are blessed. Our schools are blessed. Our churches are blessed. Barstow is healed. Barstow is prospering. Barstow is safe. Barstow is strong. Barstow is surrounded by the walls of God's salvation. Barstow is full of love, joy, and peace. Barstow is full of the glory of God. Barstow is coming to Jesus. Barstow is saved. In Jesus' name, amen.